It is November 22nd, 2023. And for those of us of a certain age that remember this day 60 years ago, it is still unsettling, still chilling, and maybe still doubts around what was behind the assassination of President John F. Kennedy. A young president, two young children, beautiful first lady whose life was snuffed out with three shots in Dealey Plaza in Dallas. And uh, on this 60th anniversary, and by the way, the limo that he was riding in currently resides at Henry Ford Museum in Dearborn. Uh, We wanted to welcome in uh, Richard Jewell. He is an attorney, former president of Grove City College, who has uh, become a nationally recognized speaker on the JFK assassination to give us some perspective. He's also a University of Michigan alum. Go Blue, Richard Jewell. Good morning. Good morning. Thanks for having me and uh, look forward to our discussion. 2,000 books have been written about this assassination. Looking back, would there have been so much doubt had the autopsy not been so badly performed? Probably not. That would have been more helpful. It's clear, and Dr. Wecht here in Pittsburgh, still alive and doing fairly well, has said quite a bit about that. The autopsy... was, uh, you know, two to three hours. There was a lot of time spent at the end, you know, preparing the body uh, to move it back to the White House. Uh, <clears throat> but the conclusion was, uh, this was not hard, that it was uh, the fatal headshot wound that had caused the death. But there are, you know, there are still questions uh, from, from the autopsy. And, and indeed, there are, there are questions. There are still some open things, and some of which probably will never be answered. Um. Why do you think people still, you know, read all the books, care so much 60 years later? Is it this um, conspiracy stuff or is it this sort of what might have been if he wasn't killed? What do you think? Well, it's uh, that's part of it. Uh, and that's the latter part is what might have been is the ultimate speculation on U.S. foreign policy, Vietnam uh, and, and matters like that. But, uh, you know, we are, especially in the last 10 or 15 years, we are very prone to uh, taking conspiracies uh, to heart and, uh, you know, thinking about them and not trusting uh, the authoritative uh, folks from the FBI and places like that. And and that's actually sort of uh, ginned it up a little more. Only time passage, which is now so long, has kind of dampened it down, too. So it's only about every 10 years now, uh, at the 50th and the 60th that we uh, get to have these kinds of uh, discussions. You know, Richard, and, and, and doing a little research about this, I'm looking at a, a, a Gallup poll. Gallup, you know, they surveyed a lot of Americans right after the, the death of a JFK. And like right after the murder in 63, you had 52% majority believe there was some group or element other than the gunman involved. 29% thought he acted on his own. 19 were unsure. But then from the mid-70s to the early 2000s, uh, Americans' belief in that conspiracy ranged from seventy-four percent to eighty-one percent. Right. Well, exactly what I what I just uh, what I just said. We're obviously less less trusting of conclusions, so when they come in an authoritative way, and uh, and and folks have the ability to express their opinions in social media, all of that is much different from what it was uh, sixty uh, sixty years ago. The view that I've had over the years is uh, it's probably not the majority view, maybe necessarily today, is that the Warren Commission generally got it correct that there were three shots. Eighty-eight percent 
of uh, the ear witness testimony taken that day indicated uh, three shots, uh, that those three shots were fired by Oswald with a gun that he had bought, that he owned. There were three casings found uh, from the bullets on the sixth floor, and there were witnesses directly under him on the fifth floor that heard the shots and heard the uh, casings uh, drop. Uh, Oswald obviously went took flight after that, uh, left the only person in the building that did leave and was unaccounted for, uh, shot Officer Tippett when he uh, saw him walking, and he'd had a description of Oswald that had been broadcasted 15 minutes after the shots were fired based on uh, eyewitness testimony of a gentleman named Howard Brennan who had looked up at the window and done a pretty good job of describing Oswald. When confronted, of course, Oswald shot, uh, shot Tippett. So he was obviously uh, uh, in flight. The question of uh, conspiracy, if there were three shots, there was one shooter, that's one person. Uh, was Oswald radicalized? And that's a term we we recognize more today in the last, you know, 10 or 15 years, well, since 9-11, that concept, uh, that we didn't know about before. And there were parts of his uh, short life that uh, even the most intense investigation couldn't really tell what he was doing in Mexico for those five days uh, in late September, early October of 63, exactly what he was doing. He was at the Soviet embassy. He was trying to get a visa to go to Cuba. Uh, he was uh, he was a communist uh, follower, called himself a Marxist. And he had done that since uh, he, was, he was in high school. Uh, Oswald, by any account, uh, was, uh, and it was sad. It's a sad story. He was a, yeah. a misfit, had a hard time growing up, was in numerous schools. Uh, and so he, he was, and I think he came to communism fairly much on his own. But uh, whether folks uh, in that last few weeks suggested things to him, that's something we'll we'll never know. So that, I, I, I Professor Jewell, I, I've I've read probably ten of these books over the past sixty years myself. Case mm-hmm. Closed by Gerald Posner may have been one of the best, but I've got to ask you, and we only have sixty yeah. minutes, sixty seconds left here. Right? Are you a single gunman believer, or do you believe in the grassy knoll and, and a second gunman? Well, on the grassy knoll, let me speak to that directly. Uh, if you get down, and as I did, this is probably the only original thing I've done besides reading a lot of the experts and, and making the conclusions, coming conclusions. If you stand on the abutment that Zabruder stood on, it's hard to get up there. It's about close to five feet. Yep. He and his secretary standing there. You are now eight to nine feet off the ground. You are looking directly behind the fence at the grassy knoll within 15 feet of where the assertions were that the gunman was. And while Zapruder kept his eye carefully on what was going on as Mr. Kennedy came around that corner and down to that fateful rendezvous, nevertheless, his uh, assistant or secretary, uh, Ms. Sitzman, was holding on to him. She and could not have missed, and I mean this, could not have missed with her own eyes seeing somebody fire 15 to 20 feet away from her and she's looking right down at it. And, and your eyes and would have been drawn to it because you would have heard yeah. it coming from that location. Absolutely. Right. Yeah. Um, well, it, it's, it's, uh, Posner's book is called Case Closed. I think that's uh, probably wishful thinking. I don't think it ever will be in the minds of many Americans. Uh, Richard Jewell, thank you for your scholarship on this and your time.